When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, welcome back to the self Inside Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepitabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We've got a couple things on our plate. Let me tell you what is up for today. You're going to do the news because there's some news. We're going to do a Celtic State of the Union um, as we head into the downstretch of the season. But we're also going to talk about Star Trek Picard, the new Star Trek series, because our guest today, Sopan Deb of the New York Times, just had a huge piece where, uh, Sopan, you sat down with the cast and crew. Um, so we want to talk about that, and we're going to tie that to the Boston Celtics. So without further ado, Sopan Deb, welcome back to Celtics Lab. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a such a thrill to be back. Yeah, uh, we'd love to have you on. And um, the Star Trek thing, uh, admittedly, Alex and I are not huge Trekkies, but Justin was all over that. So I'm disappointed uh, in you too. <laughs> but we're going to learn. I mean, I love Patrick Stewart, um, so I'm I'm open. Uh, so we're going to learn. Um, so far, I wanted to ask you about your book that came out over the summer because I don't think we've chatted about it. Uh, Kea Das's second act. How's it going? Um, oh, th- well, well, thank you for asking. Yeah, it was uh, my I wrote a novel. It's my second book, um, uh, but that was my debut, and I, I'm really thrilled that it's out there in the world now. Um, it's about a grieving Bengali family that um, in New Jersey, which is where I grew up, and uh, they try to uh, grieve for their lost teenager by staging a play that she wrote. So it's a play about. Um, grief and redemption and the healing power of art and um you know a lot of the book is based on my own upbringing and a lot of the characters are named after family friends that I had and um I was very involved in the theater program in high school and I've written about theater for the times so uh, it was just you know one of those uh, things that made um a lot of sense for me to write about for my first sure. novel and so um I'm really excited that it's out there and I'm, I'm excited for people to read it cool where in New Jersey are you from uh, Howell, which is right by the Jersey Shore area, um, uh, Belmar. I don't know if you guys know Jersey at all, sure. but actually, like... it is right by. If you guys remember the show, the Jersey Shore, it's right by where that was filmed. Wow, what a claim to fame! Uh, yeah. I was gonna say my girlfriend's from Princeton, but that's way better. Okay, <laughs> that, that puts yeah. it on the map way better for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. Alrighty, well, um, I'm gonna check it out. Uh, I'll tell you off air, but uh, why that tickles my fancy so much. But it sounds great. Anyways, Please. let's get into um, the Celtics stuff, the Star Trek stuff, and then a little bit of NBA yeah, yeah. news. So let's do the State of the Union Celtics edition. It's not the halfway point of the season, but it's the nominal halfway point of the season. Um, so, Pan, I'll go to you first, but then Alex and Justin, I want to hear your thoughts as well. Boston is 42 and 17, first in the East, first in the NBA. They've got the third best offense, the fifth, fifth best defense, and the number one net rating. So, Pan, Deb, what is the State of the Union for the Boston Celtics? The state of the union is strong. Um, you know, the the starting lineup of what what I think the biggest boost is gonna be is that the Horford Smart Tatum Brown Time Lord lineup has only played what 29 minutes this year together. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're all healthy now, um, at least as healthy as one can expect this time of year. So, uh, you know, you in theory hope that in the last 25, whatever, whatever amount of games are left, that they built and continue together. 
I mean, this is, I mean, Derek White in February averaged something like 20, 21, five and five. And he's coming off the bench for the Celtics. Malcolm Brogdon, who's now one of the best three-point shooters in the league, he's coming off the bench for the Celtics. Those guys are starters on the vast majority of NBA teams. Um, so to me, I, I look, if the Celtics don't win the championship this year, it's not because they don't have the talent and it's not because they don't have the experience, right? And so so it's something intangible. And so they 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 won't enter any series as under underdogs as far as I'm concerned. And if you're a team, that's the position you want to be in. So look, there are some worrying signs since they started 18 and four. Um, the offense has slowed down quite a bit and well, but there were like signs of it kicking back to life the last couple of years. But if this team gets healthy and it looks like they are this, I, I you know, I, I think that the, they're, they're in very good shape coming down the stretch. Perfect point to agree. Um, Alex, the ketchup to my mustard. What do you think? You know, I largely agree with that. And I've been pretty optimistic just with what I've seen, particularly from the bench in this recent stretch where um, a number of guys have missed time between Rob kind of being in and out of the lineup, Smart, Brown, both being out for extended periods of time. Um, the bench has really stepped up and it seems like they now have four to five guys coming off of the bench that they can legitimately trust in a playoff type of atmosphere. The only thing that's giving me pause about Boston right now, and I think it kind of aligns with a lot of what we've been saying about the Celtics this year, which is that the biggest threat to the Celtics is probably themselves, um, mm -hmm. is that uh, I am a little concerned and I want to see more of, not like alarmed, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm watching uh, what's going to happen to this team when three-point shots stop falling at the rate that they are in playoff intensity defense environments. Um, the concern is that they don't, if they are so reliant on the three now and they are chucking threes at a crazy rate um, that they might wind up in a James Harden, Houston Rockets heyday situation where they end up forcing the three above all else and sacrificing good offense for doing that. Um, now, I do think that this roster is better designed to handle that situation than some of those James Harden, Houston Rockets teams. They have an elite defense that they can fall back on and they can get in a rock fight if they need to and still bank on the superstar talent of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to create in isolation. Um, but I do wonder if, you know, they're in a playoff series against a stout Milwaukee defense or something like that, and the three stops falling, are they going to be able to read that and react and adjust in time to kind of get out of a series like that that will be slow and muddy and grimy? Can, can I just... Uh, say something really quickly, which is sure. the James Harden example. I mean, if you look at the results of the James Harden example, they came within minutes of beating the greatest NBA roster in the history of basketball. You know, they just happen to run into the one team uh, that they, you know, and so to that point, it's like, if you look at the results, it's actually not a bad cautionary tale if you're going to pick one. Anyway, but completely fair. I, and the only the other thing I would add to that is that, um, as you said, like they they ran into a kind of unstoppable juggernaut and went blow for blow for them. Uh, that juggernaut does not exist in the NBA as it stands right now. Now we'll see what happens with the Phoenix Suns. But as it stands right now, there is not a Golden State Warriors equivalent for Boston. And again, it does have to be said, I think this roster when healthy is deeper than some of those Rockets teams. So we'll see. They're, they're in a really good spot. But um, it's it's not like they are, you know, an overwhelming and unstoppable juggernaut, particularly when um, the 
like the best teams in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee, Cleveland, et cetera, are really gaining steam right now. You kind Justin, of... I want to... Oh, well, I was, I was going to ask you to tile this to Joe Mazzulla, but I just want to... I do. You. I have the perfect thing, and you're probably reading my mind, because I saw your finger go up at the exact same moment the light bulb went off of my head. Oh, no, I'm I'm going to bury the Celtics for a second. Oh, um, really? Those James Ro- the James Harden Rockets catch so much flack. I think it's, like, lost to history that in the in 2018 in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7, Boston shot 7 of 39 from 3. So Boston has, you know, come up cold, cold, cold from three when uh when the game is on the line so obviously james harden and the rockets got buried for that but um the celtics uh, and, were and right chris there paul, it was chris paul did play didn't play that game seven right or he didn't play he was hurt for like two or three games i think he came back yeah. for game seven but he was only nominally back or something like that you might be right i'm not 100 on that but anyways know. just speaking of chris paul that's exactly where i wanted to go with this uh when we said that the celtics biggest threat might be themselves can we stop playing them so many minutes? I think it's time to spread those minutes out for the stretch run. Uh, I think they have a comfortable cushion. I, I know, you know, the Bucks have been playing better, but Giannis is probably going to miss some time. Uh, they are the closest team to upsetting uh, the Celtics in the top seed. I don't think they're going to catch the Celtics. Uh, I think it's time to start spreading those minutes out a little bit more through the roster. Honey. Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon are there for a reason. Exactly. And Grant Williams, who is probably underrated at times this season. Um, so, fun. what do you think of Joe Missoula? Um, we haven't asked you about him. You know, coaches are such a hard thing to assess. Like, if you remember what Doc Rivers' reputation was in 2007, and then look at what his reputation became after 2008, and then look at his track record since then. Is Doc River? he's had kind of three different lifetimes as a coach. Four, if you include his Orlando Magic Coach of the Year. Is Doc Rivers that different of a coach in all four of those phases of his career? Probably not. He's the same, probably the same guy, right? And right. so coaches are a really tough thing to truly, they're judged kind of against their expectations. And, and so if you're a team that overachieves, your coach is very likely to win coach of the year. If you're a team that meet expectations, it's like, well, whatever, you know, he's got, you know, whatever. In the case of Joe Mazzulla, it's, a, this is a very unprecedented, unusual situation. Uh, who can complain? I mean, what more do you want from the guy? They're literally the best team in the NBA. <laughs> what more could you possibly ask for? Um, sure, could he call a little bit more, you know, timeouts? Maybe, you know, but but you, if you look at that as like a long-term project to get the team more used to dealing with adversity, I mean, whatever. You know, would, would I have liked him to call a timeout as a, you know, against, um, you know, going, uh, you know, down three points with uh you know in a one possession game at the end of the bucks where all your top playmakers are out yeah ideally yes but you know whatever um i I just don't know what what how to judge a coach because all you can do is really judge it by the results and with joe mazula like what more can you ask for what more do you want they're the best team in the nba that's that's you know they for a while they had the best offense in the history of the nba um is he better or worse than Ime Odoka? How, I don't know. You know, I don't know what Ime would do, would do with the same roster, you know? Um, so anyway, I, all that is to say is if you're a Celtics fan, what complaints could you possibly have about Joe Mazzulla? Like what, like, I just don't know what more you want from the guy. Yeah, there are times where to finish a, a, an article or something, I kind of just want to like insert the shrug emoji because it, it's good to be this good at basketball. The, the nitpicky things that we kind of have to digest on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis is, Celtics content creators, to your point, the grand scheme of 
things like they're they're really uh pedantic little arguments um so i don't, I don't think that there's real complaints with joe missoula at least not yet anyways i mean things could change um Alrighty, uh, I mean, we talked, we covered a lot about what we were going to talk about in our notes. Um, I'll go around the horn just because it's still pertinent. Uh, the Celtics still have an open roster spot. The buyout market still looms large. A few names that we have considered have signed elsewhere. Um, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by this Kevin Love in Miami thing. But Sopan, I'll go to you, but I'll, I'll go to everyone eventually. What do you think of this open roster spot for Boston? Big deal, little deal, no deal. Do you have any names in mind? Any uh, little deal, no names in mind. I, you, the team is stacked. I mean, uh, the, who is the, who is the 12th guy they're going to sign that is really going to make a difference at this point that fills a hole? Who, what's the hole they need to fill? You could use another big man, but ideally, you know, Luke Cornett's your third string big man, right? And like, who are you signing that's better and knows their role than Luke Cornett right now that's on the market? Um, and Mike Muscala's also, I mean, Mike Muscala, he comes in, he's. Immediately drops, you know, thirteen points a game on fifty percent three point shooting. Like, what? Uh, what's the hole? Again, the Celtics yeah. were already, I think, the most talented one through twelve team in the NBA. You know, they've reached a point with their talent where I think adding could be, you know, I got, I, I sound like Yogi Berra, you know, adding could be <laughs> subtracting, right? Because. Every minute you give to someone you sign is a minute taken away from the other plus players, the 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 whites, the Brogdons, even the Housers and and the and the you know Grants, et cetera. And that has its own, you know, they're having trouble finding Peyton Pritchard minutes. And you know, I'm yeah. not saying Peyton Pritchard is some world beater, but he definitely gets more time on other teams. So at this mm-hmm. point, you have a lot of minutes to give out give out. You kind of have to, you know, spread those out. Like I don't think Blake Griffin on another team is getting DNPs every single night. I, I just don't think that's the case. I still think Blake Griffin is a little, has a little bit more game left in him than that. And th- thankfully for the Celtics, he's accepted his role. I'm, I'm just saying like, yeah. who's, who's, who's the difference making signing that is left on the market right now that is worth taking minutes away from the other playmakers you have on the team. I, I don't, I don't see any, I don't see anyone that's an interesting name for that. Yeah. I actually had the crazy idea of them trying to get uh, RJ Hampton onto the roster when that became a thing for about five minutes uh, because uh, he's going to the Detroit Pistons now. But I still think that if they do fill someone in that, they should just look for someone who can play some games when they do rest some of the some of the, the people on the roster uh, who can be cheap depth in the future, like a multi-year contract if they can buy, buy, buy a, get a waiver wire of somebody uh, who still has a couple of years left on that deal, or even just bringing somebody in, getting them used to the system and having a chance, kind of like a Cobb and Gelly, but in the middle of the season. Mm. Like Kevin Love was a name that kind of intrigued me, you know, at, you know, but then again, like, okay, you're not going to play Kevin Love down the stretch because you're going to play, you know, the, the, the main five. Um, and then if you're not playing the main five, you're going to bring in Brogdon, you're going to bring in White, you're going to bring in Grant, you know, Kevin Love is not particularly known for his defense. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the best teams in the NBA, let this guy go to a rival midseason. Yeah. You know, what Name does that tell you? More than what does that tell you about Kevin Love's value right now, what he's bringing to the team? Um, and I, I, I really like Kevin Love. He's had an amazing career. This is not a knock on Kevin Love per se, but, you know, he'd essentially be getting the same amount of minutes with Boss in Boston that he would that he was getting in Cleveland that he was unhappy with. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's the, you know, I, I just didn't see any sort of, um, 
I mean, call up, uh, call up someone from the G league. If you have to, you know, um, that that's if you need insurance. Yeah. And to that point, um, I have been saying now for a little bit that the single most important attribute that any Celtics potential buyout candidate could bring is vibes. Um, they just need to sign a good vibes guy to have in the locker room to, you know, hang out with guys. A feel Pinson type. Unfortunately, the Mavericks are keyed into his vibes and are not letting him go. But uh, to that end, (laughs) I think uh, there's an obvious candidate on the Celtics market that people have not been talking about that should be considered for the buyout. And I'm, of course, referring to all-time vibes guy, Gershon Yabasele, who is uh, currently playing in Madrid. Like, if you're looking for a vibes dude, go get that guy. I don't I, think I, he's making enough money in, in the NBA. I think he's making a good amount of money over there right now. He's a pretty pretty good player for them, but uh, maybe Aaron Baines in a similar vein, something like that. I mean, he can probably play a little bit, but I don't think he'd ever see the floor. I don't think anybody – I mean, honestly, we, we should probably just move on because, like, the buyout guy is not going to be changing much of anything. There's an interesting, like, thing to think about, which is the Celtics are, you know, the best team in the NBA record-wise – and it's tough to discuss a team that is stacked top to bottom. That is the best team in the NBA. So you have nothing to really get angry about. Everything's kind of set. It's not, it's not like, you know, like, you know, especially in Boston where people like fans really like to, you know, you know, get mad about stuff. There's like, what do you have? You can't be that mad right now as a Celtics fan about much. Like most of the players. You know, I like the closer you get is to like get upset at Grant Williams every now and then, like, you know, get, get upset <laughs> if Joe Mazzulli doesn't call enough timeouts. There's not, you know, it's a pretty good time to be a Celtics fan, I think. Well, that's a good segue to, to this next silly bit. Um, but first, I want to pause the action and talk to you about our sponsor. I also feel like I'm obliged to at least make mention of Carmelo Anthony whenever we talk about the bio market, because uh, that dude is making no money right now. And he's a good vibes guy. Anyways, I'm, tired, Cameron. I'm tired, Cameron. I'm tired. I bet Mello's not. I bet he's fresh. He hasn't played all season. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport and game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, speaking of the doldrums of a very fun regular season, last week we taste-tested Marcus Smart Cereal, and this week, Soap on Depp, we're going to gonna make an extension to the Boston Celtics, but we're really here to talk to you about Star Trek Picard. So, And the Times, what was it, last week on uh, the 15th, you had this great sit-down with uh, Patrick Stewart and LeVar Burton and a bunch of members of the the cast and crew. Um, Tell us about how this story came about, and then we're going to talk Star Trek as in Boston Celtics. Yeah, I I wish this involved some story... involving like multiple coffees where i had to like convince the cast member sit down but no it was just i i it was just an email i was just like hey can great you know you guys <laughs> new season of card coming out um but i i've been writing about star trek for years for the times um i've been a fan of the franchise since i was a kid i used to dress up and you know whatever like star trek has been a big part of my life you know growing up and um 
So it was, I, I have to be honest, I, I, you know, I, I'm very much a professional. I'm very much, you know, not sitting there like gushing over them or anything like that. But in, in, in to the extent that I can be excited within the confines of my job about something, this was one of the coolest things I've ever got, I've ever gotten to do. And just like sitting there and, and um, these are people that I've watched on, on screen in some form or fashion going back 30 years and, um, and seeing and being able to ask them the questions that I've always wanted to ask them about, you know, being on this show that has influenced me so much. That was cool, man. Because like, usually you get those opportunities at like panels and like conventions and stuff. And I've never been to a Star Trek convention, but like, you know, you line up at the microphone and there are hundreds of people waiting out. You get maybe one question in and it's like a different, here is just like, all of us in a hotel room, I'm sitting with them and like Patrick Stewart's cramped on a couch with like LeVar Burton and, and, you know, Michael Dorn and Jonathan Frakes and Gates McFadden and Brent Spiner. And he, he had, a, he had an illness. So he insisted that he zoom in. I'm like, what is, this is so weird. And um, it was just, it, they were, they were very nice. And it was just so nice to be able to um, have a conversation with, with this, this, um, this cast that's now reuniting for this new season. Yeah. I, I, understand that that sensation of like you know meeting people that you look up to or you've seen a thousand times in your life and being surprised at how easy it is to play it cool and only looking back um do do you get to like think back to like oh my god that was so crazy i don't think i'd keep it cool around patrick stewart quite frankly i'm not a big star trek fan but patrick stewart is you know patrick stewart obviously yeah patrick Stewart's the biggest actor in that group i mean they're all they're all very accomplished and and whatnot in their own ways and whatever patrick stewart's like the biggest name in that group um, couldn't have been, it couldn't have been kinder, couldn't have been. And I, cool. that's what kind of matters to me the most ultimately. Like, you know, I've done interviews with celebrities that, that they, they have a lot of, um, you know, they know their celebrities and that, that comes through in the way they interact with you. That was not the case with this crew. And that was cool. That was great to find out. Um, Patrick was just, and I feel ridiculous saying Patrick as if I know him, I had one conversation <laughs> with Pat. Um, <laughs> Good old Pat. Good old Pat and I know he uh he was uh he couldn't have been he was so nice and so kind and and just um walked right over to shake my hand and, and you know just, it was what was nice about it is it was here's what stuck out to me actually is that it was during a day when they were doing a lot of interviews. Now we were the only the Times was the only one to get all of them for one interview. But they were breaking off into pairs, doing interviews and whatever. We were the ones who got them all in a group for the first time. And you could tell they were really engaged in the conversation, which I've I've done interviews and you could tell. I mean, I I listen, you see NBA press conferences, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> they don't want to be there and they wanna they wanna get the heck out of there, man. Um, these guys were really, really engaged and I I you know, I that was really it was it was really cool. I love that. Yeah, Alex, when Divine Sweater hits it big, stay humble. Um I'll do I, my I'm best. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna swing it to Justin, who is a, a true Trekkie. And Justin, I want you to first uh, I don't think fans of this podcast really mind but make the connection to the celtics uh, a little bit stronger and then off to the races with our little game <laughs> sure so i just want to say uh i went to an undergrad who actually the school's motto references star trek uh it is there's more to running a starship than asking a bunch of damn fool questions that's new college of florida we are currently under attack by ron DeSantis, but that's another story you can look up and read about yourself uh, it's giving me lots of uh, nightmares. But anyway, uh, so there have been um, 
some pretty notable fans of science fiction in Celtics lore in the past. I know Casey Jones, for example, and Bill Russell were both big Star Wars fans. I don't know if they like Star Trek, but there was one member of the Celtics. I think he was only with the Celtics for one season, Harry Boykoff, whose main claim to fame is being so good at blocking shots. They outlawed any shots on a downward arc, what we now call goaltending. Uh, to, to be, be a legal act in the NBA. So he did have an impact in the NBA, even though he was only, I think he only played like 25 or 30 games for the Celtics. But he later in life got into acting and actually played a bunch of bit roles on a lot of the Next Generation spinoff series over the years. So that definitely caught my attention. But I was wondering um, if you happen to know, Sopan, if any of the Picard cast happen to be NBA fans, or if you are aware of any other Celtics fans who happen to be Trek fans? I don't know. Um, I'm sure they might they might be. I just don't know. Uh, and same, but I do know another NBA connection, which is that James Worthy once played a Klingon on an really? episode of Star Trek Generation. Yep, he did. Uh, I don't think he had any lines. Star Trek has had a bunch of like random cameos that people don't know about, like The Rock. Tom Morello was on Star Trek. Star Trek, uh, yeah, Tom Morello, right? I forgot about that one. That's a good one. There have been a bunch of random ones um, throughout throughout the throughout the years, but I don't know of any Celtic specific Star Trek connections off the top of my head. Um, but I, if I think of any, I'll, you'll have to have me back on next time. Oh, just just for this point, and then I'll sign back off. So we know who Boycott was, right? Um, as we are wont to do, I came up with a game of who among the Picard core characters who are returning from the next generation. Like if there were Boston Celtics, who would be that character's personality? Um, and if you disagree with my takes, just let me know who you think should be that role. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm just gonna go through them all and give you a little bit of time to think. So for me, Picard, John Picard, for those of you who may not be Trekkies, he's the Enterprise uh, captain. Uh, I believe he gets elevated to an admiral role in the new series. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm very excited to, to check that out. So for me, trying to find someone who fit that, I was thinking like Al Horford, right? Because he, he, you know, directing things behind the scenes. He's got the, the, the gravitas, right? Um, that erudite Shakespearean train kind of loves his Earl Grey hot personality. But it's it's Jason Tatum's ship now, I think. So I don't I don't really see how I can have anyone else be in that role, at least in my opinion. Uh, Riker for me, uh, Jalen Brown is just too obvious there. I mean, I'm open to alternatives, uh, but um, I thought for just a second about Ime Udoka for the problematic workplace relationship. But I, I you know, I'm not gonna do that. Um, so I, I do wonder how the Federation let that stuff go on on the Enterprise. Uh, but I digress. The uh, data, uh, I think, has to be Grant, right? Because he's impossibly smart, got superhuman strength, but he's also kind of weird, right? He doesn't really quite fit in the way that most of us do. He has his own little way of doing things, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just who he is. Very much like uh, I just need to hop in. I I don't know these characters, but that sounds perfect, Justin. Thank that. You. That data Grant one really. I thought he was the best fit, to be honest. I'm on mute. The YouTube crowd can see me and Alex laughing, um, but that one made me feel like I had to hop in and say that one feels exceptionally good. Good, thank you. 
Worf, I initially thought it was JB, right? Because he can be kind of an enforcer. He's very, very intelligent. And then I just realized I'm describing Marcus as well. So for me, I think that Worf is Marcus Murrow. Uh, Deanna Troy uh, has to be Al. Uh, he has an almost empathic ability to know what needs to be said to whom and when. He's always saying, you know, our group, our group, our group. He's always concerned about the cohesion of the team. So for me, that that is really the person. You know, he inspires people in the same kind of way that Deanna Troy did. So those are my takes. Any bad? Any good? Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't really. Um, I can't really disagree on much of that. Um, Who do you have as data? A uh, Grant. Super nerd. Yeah, the only, thing, the only thing is, like, Data, you know, his whole character is the point that he doesn't know how to have emotions. And um, mm -hmm. Grant uh, gets a little testy with referees, to say the least. Maybe that's maybe that's Joe Mazzula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but listen, I mean, if you had to cram, like, you know, one person into every role, I think you did a very, you know, very serviceable, very serviceable job. I don't really have many quibbles. Thank you. Thank you much. Wow, now I need to watch the show to make these connections. I am floored that you guys have never watched any Star Trek. That's your, that's your homework. I'm I I don't know. I I I I'm on like Breaking Bad and Saul and all these depressing shows about like semi-real characters. It's been tough for me to get into sci-fi TV. That's just me. Really, not a not a Last of Us fan. Um, I've been told that I should watch it. Um, I'm intrigued at least a little bit, but we'll see. Have you guys noticed that a lot of recent post-apocalyptic shows are like set in early starting in Boston? Uh, Raised by Wolves, I think, also started in Boston. Just, I mean, I think. What does that Justin, say? Just into that point, you know, when the Bruins and the Celtics both win their respective championships <laughs> this year, and then there's the double parade. That seems like a logical, like inflection point for all sorts of things to happen for western western society <laughs> yeah <I think> so. <laughs> all right um so of the new york times uh this star trek piece is out there for folks who haven't checked it out um kaya das second act is out there for folks who have checked it out anything else you want to plug before we let you go no thank you though thank you for having me anytime sure well the pleasure's all on this side of the screen and um we'll catch you soon i'm sure all right guys take care talk soon all right, thanks again, Sopan Dev um, of the New York Times for stopping by. We're going to talk about the news. It's all-star break, so the news is there was an all-star game. I think that that is self-explanatory. Um, I guess there's a little bit of news. Uh, with Grosbeck, one of the owners of the Celtics, said Boston is looking at the buyout market, but we kind of already covered that. If we have time, we'll do that again. Um, Grant Williams just elected a four-year term as the first vice president of the MBPA, as in the second in command. It's a confusing system where there's a president, a first vice president and six additional vice presidents. So uh, as I'm going to write about that, I was quite confused the whole time I was writing about it. Um, but good job, Grant. And anyways, let's do this. I think anyone who's listening knows that Tatum did not win the three-point contest, but he did win the MVP and broke the scoring record at the All-Star game. And Jalen Brown had 35 points. He was the third leading scorer in the All-Star game. Um, Alex and Justin, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I do with my homeroom, which is give me your high, your low, and your buffalo for All-Star Weekend, your high point, your favorite thing, your low point, the thing you didn't like the most, and the buffalo, just a random thing you would like to share, Celtics or otherwise. Sure. Um, I don't think I don't think I need to model that, so Alex, I'll go to you first. 
Yeah, the high for me has got to be Mac McClung's outstanding dunk contest performance. Um, total surprise. Had no idea that that was coming from Mac McClung. Um, Daryl, you need to sign this man after that performance for the vibes and fan presence alone. That was an awesome, impressive performance. And I got to say, like, I think Mac McClung now needs to like get matched up against Aaron Gordon and things like that. He's been elevated to a different tier of dunk contest participant in my mind. That's my high. Um, my low is folks, the new skills challenge is terrible and there's just no way to get around it. It's an awful product. It's a boring watch. Nobody takes it seriously. The one-on-one -on -one skills challenge that they had a couple years ago was fine. It was perfectly entertaining. And then they moved away from it for this dumb team-based skills challenge with a bunch of players that nobody cares about. I'm tired of seeing the freaking Antetokounmpo bros on All-Star Weekend. I don't care. They're not interesting. Get the skills challenge out of here. Replace it with something better, please. And then my Buffalo for this all-star weekend you know i know that the all-star game is not actual basketball as jalen brown alluded to in his interview comments like nobody is watching it for a high degree of competitive high level play i had fun watching jason tatum and jalen brown clear out and play one-on-ones against each other i don't see any particular problem with it um I, like some all-star games people are going to take it really seriously some all-star games people are not Either way, that's not really what the All-Star Game is about. It's more about just like watching NBA players do crazy stuff without any of the limitations of like the obligation of having to play good team basketball, which I think is entertaining sometimes. So that's my high-low Buffalo for All-Star Weekend. So you already mentioned my high, which is obviously Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown competing against each other in the only real competition that took place in that entire weekend, really. Uh, the low could be a lot of things. I'm just going to go with the low being the amount of complaining uh, that we all did about it. But that ties into the Buffalo, I think. Uh, I, I don't remember what podcast I heard him on. Uh, it was an athletic podcast, but I think it was Jake King who mentioned that the the All-Star game is kind of in the redeemed team cycle of its existence. And as such, it really, really needs an organizational effort from within to recruit and uh, engage the league's bigger stars, as as he noted, not all of them, but some of them, because they need to put in some work. We we talked on the last podcast about ways they can prove them, so I won't rehash that. But I mean, they also need they need to have some institutional commitment beyond just you know throwing money at players. They need to really like it does matter. This is this is I won't say it's a flagship aspect of the league, but it's a very important public relations aspect of the league, and it does need more attention than it's been getting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the, the dunk contest and the whatever the skills challenge could use more star power. But even it was interesting, other than I haven't looked this up, other than LeBron was Dane Lillard, the only all star in his 30s who played. Because maybe there's like one other guy, but I just I didn't think that they did a nice LeBron. job of like, no, other than LeBron. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they paired, like it would have been nice to like really showcase like, Tatum and, and Mitchell are playing together. And like they did play together, but it was just like so unstructured. Um, so Dr. Quinn, I agree that they're just like, there was nothing classic about it, even though 
like a lot of classic things happen. You know what I mean? Like I'm not ever going to watch this, this game again, or like the highlights from this game, even though ostensibly there's like immense star power. Um, for me, um, I guess another high point for me would be Giannis. Uh, he's just so charismatic. The draft, he was great. The coaching, the celebrity game, he was great. Um, subbing himself out was, I uh, hope he's okay, but that was great. He just, he's so good. He's got like that Shaq charisma. It just like makes me really happy that he's stepping into, into his own as like really the face of the NBA. Um, cause he, cause soon step in LeBron and then we'll be gone and they'll need that. And Giannis has it. One little sidebar I'd just like to throw out there for the NBA, if anyone who has any poll is happens to be listening. Uh, if you have a problematic person who is going to be in attendance, you do not have to showcase them. You can, you know, put the spotlight on them. They wave from the audience. Move on. I think that's the right thing to do as an aside. Problematic is quite the euphemism. Um, other than that low point, that's probably... A good low point. The low point for me was just presentation sucks. Like it, Justin, like you you were saying, they've been doing this for I think 72 years. Like this is a flagship product of the NBA. And the NBA has been around enough that it can take itself a little more seriously. Like the goddamn player introductions are just I know the whole product is geared towards a 16-year-old who uh is like watching well also on TikTok, but like 45 minutes of really horrible intros as like smoke goes off and those poor dancers have to dance the whole time. It just, there's nothing classy about it. There's nothing interesting about it. It's just tired and cheap. It felt cheap. Um, the presentation of it was a mess. Um, speaking of which, my Buffalo is TNT did not rise to, to the challenge. Um, the audio team I don't know what happened, but they dropped the ball and they dropped that's it again. Wild, and they, right? They dropped it again. Um, that was, yeah, that was wild. I mean, it was a, I will say, Alex, I did enjoy myself quite a lot. And um, it was one of those nights where, like, I guess enough people were watching on Twitter or, or people I was texting with that it just like, felt like a fun event. Um, and we're being curmudgeonly about being curmudgeonly. I mean, Tatum scored 55 goddamn points. I mean, it was awesome. Um, but, anyways, that's, that's my high low Buffalo. Uh, I guess I also forgot in the news, and sorry if you can hear Riggy barking in the background, Tatum's shoes came out. They looked suspiciously similar to the ones that leaked that he said were not the shoes that uh, when they did leak. Technically um, true. There are three other colorways. There's three other colorways. Um, I'm going to go on mute while this dog keeps barking, but anyone have thoughts on the shoes? I would buy the pink lemonade ones. I think those look pretty fire. The rest of them are on a scale of I wouldn't be embarrassed to be seen in them to this is for a costume party. Yeah, I mean, the red, white, and blue ones are pretty solid as well. I have no issue with that. Um, I think the shoes are good. They're not like, I'm going to say, my outright favorite looking basketball shoes ever. Um, but, you know, I think for a debut signature shoe for Jason Tatum, not bad. I think I'm looking forward to the Tatum 2s, which I'm sure will be much better. Well, interestingly, uh, they're called the JT1s. It stands for Jordan Tatum 1. It's not Jason Tatum 1, which I don't, I don't know how many people were in a room when they decided that, but what the hell is that? Um, if anyone needs a, an affordable basketball shoe, I recommend Peak Brand. Um, they're pretty good. I'm enjoying myself wearing those shoes.
Hey, no free commercials, dang it. Oh, that's not, not a sponsor. That's a personal plug. Um, anyways, thank you to SoCon Dev from New York Times for talking to us. Thank you to our sponsor, betonline.ag. They are a sponsor. Uh, thank you to Alex and Justin for being my friend. And thanks for liking and subscribing to our podcast. Happy All-Star break. We'll see you soon. Adios.